The following is a presentation of Embassy Media and Marshall Davis Ministries. Welcome in. Another Financial Fridays brought to you by Marshall Davis Ministries. I am Pastor Sean Davis. You can follow me at SD2Mikes. Please go to cccembassy.org, Apostle Marshall Davis on Facebook, Chicagoland Christian Center on Facebook to find all the archive Financial Fridays. And I have Elder Alonzo Hinton with us once again this evening to talk about knowing how to invest in the stock market. Elder, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing good, sir. How are you? Happy Friday. Happy Friday to you. Let's go ahead and bless the people. Yes, sir. Absolutely. How are you doing today? Happy Friday. Welcome to Financial Fridays. Today, we're going to do a basic teaching on learning how to invest in the stock market. It's not going to be complicated because we want to make sure that everybody is able to follow along. So if you're interested in beginning in the beginning to follow the stock market, this is a good teaching for you. So they're basic type of investments if you're interested in following the stock market or participating in the stock market. The first one is stocks. Stocks are also known as equities. Stocks represent partial ownership of one or more companies. If a company does well, the stock can increase in value, of course, as you know. Stocks have a high potential return over long periods of time, but tend to be more volatile than other investments. So as we always talk about on Financial Fridays, over the lifetime of the stock market, it has always gone up. There have been dips every once in a while, but it always goes up. So long term, the stock market is a great investment. And then bonds. Bonds are known as fixed income investments. And then bonds are designed to create a steady stream of income. While bonds values are somewhat vulnerable to interest rate fluctuations, bonds are generally more stable than stocks. But of course, they have a lower return potential. And then, of course, cash, in addition to physical cash, this category includes investments like CDs, money market accounts and savings account. Cash have the lowest risk, but they have the lowest return potential. So they have the lowest potential to give you a great investment. And then mutual funds and ETFs, mutual funds and exchange traded funds, pool money for many investors, then invested in a assorted fund of stocks, bonds, or other investments. Okay. So then next we have to talk about asset allocation, stocks versus bonds versus cash, because you want to have an allocation of each different one, stocks, bond, and cash. Since stocks are highly volatile, but have the most return potential, they are more appropriate for younger investors. Right. Because they're going to go up and down and you're going to have a turn uh, at the younger you are, the greater chance you're going to have to have a greater return because of the long term effects of the stock market. In contrast, bonds are designed for predictability, making them better for older investors. Investors. Why? Because it's a lower risk risk tolerance. It's less of an ability to lose your money. And then cash investments typically are not a good idea unless you have lots of near term liquidity need so if you need your cash right or your money right away keeping it in cash is the best way to go determining the appropriate asset allocation for your investment strategy is a critical step to take so your portfolio should include the correct percentage of stocks versus bonds versus cash only you can determine what that is you need to sit down with a financial advisor and find out what's the best route for you the best allocation for you so the next question is, should I invest actively or passively? So it's two. So those are the two ways of investing. Active investment refers to picking individual stocks 
and bonds or buying mutual funds that are actively managed by professionals. So you go in, you have a professional and say, hey, I want you to pick my stocks. I want you to manage. It's up to you to make sure you're making money for me. So pick them as you see fit. On the other hand, passive investing means trying to match the market performance, generally through funds that track in indexes. The question you need to answer is how much time you want to spend on investing. If you have time and desire to reach individual stocks, active investment could be to research individual stocks. Active investing could be the way to go. If not, if not, it's nothing wrong with passive investing. So the best way to invest is to make sure that you do your study, you work, you find out what the company does. Would you be interested in that company? So what's a stock? We talk about all this. What's a stock? Elder Hinton, I really don't know what a stock is. So we're going to talk about that for a second. So when individuals start a business, their business structure usually falls into one of three categories, a sole proprietorship, a partnership, or a corporation. Business that incorporate create a separate legal entity called a corporation and then issue certificates or stock to show who owns how many shares of the corporation. Corporations usually start off small with just a few shareholders. And then, for example, a corporation, when it's formed, could issue 100,000 shares of stock. The person with the business idea, he might put up, he or she might put up $50,000 of their own money and then ask the first five employees to each put in $10,000. The business would then have six shareholders. The founder would have 50,000 shares. And then each of the five employees would own 10,000 shares each. So as corporations could grow, they often find ways they they need they they find out they need to raise money. So as opposed to going and getting a loan, they try to raise stock. They try to get more investors to invest in the company to raise money. They often turn to Wall Street to help them raise money by selling more shares of stock of their corporation. So if you bought 100 shares of a company, you might get a stock certificate electronically. They used to be on paper, but now it will be electronically indicating your ownership. If you decided you no longer wanted to own those shares, you could try to sell them to another investor that might want to own part of the company. So this is the essence of the stock market. It's where investors invest in new companies or buy and sell, which is exchanging shares if they can agree on a fair price. So once again, to get a clear definition of stock, stock is defined as a share of ownership of a company. If you own a company stock, you actually own a percentage of the company itself, including its assets like chairs, vehicles, buildings, and a percentage of its profits. So you're a business owner when you own stock. So for example, if a company issued 1,000 shares and you own 100 shares, that doesn't mean you can go in a company and take one-tenth of its furniture. It means that if the company was profitable and they made $100,000 and decide to pay it out to the shareholders, you would get one-tenth or 10% of the $100,000, which is $10,000. People who invest in companies they think will be profitable with the hope that the company will start paying out its profits to shareholders, right? You want to return on your investment. That's the whole purpose of buying shares in a company. Likewise, if the company was not profitable and decided to close, then the company might just sell all of its furniture for $1,000 and you would get a tenth of that $1,000, which would be $100. So we know what a stock is. So how are the prices determined on the stock market? <clears throat> Simple. Just like everything else, else in capital, capitalistic society, 
stock prices are governed by supply and demand. At any given time, there's a maximum price somebody's willing to pay for a certain stock and a minimum price somebody's willing to sell shares of the stock for. Think of stock market trading like an auction with some investors bidding for stocks that other investors are willing to sell. If there's a lot of demand for a stock, investors will buy share quicker than the sellers want to get rid of them and the price will move up. On the other hand, if more investors are selling a stock than buying, the price will drop. So if you see a stock price going up, that means a lot of people want to buy it. And if you see it dropping, that means people are selling it, getting rid of it. So the market makers ensure that they are always buyer and sellers. We have to understand that. So the market makers, they match up buyers and sellers. So to ensure that there's always a marketplace for stocks on the exchange and investors can choose to buy and sell shares immediately whenever they want during marketing hours, individuals known as market makers act as intermediaries between buyers and sellers. So this is what they do. Market makers buy and hold shares and continually list buy and sell quotations for shares. The highest offer to buy shares listed from a market maker at any time is known as the bid. And the lowest offer is selling is known as the ask. The difference between the two is the spread. The main reason for using market makers, as opposed to simply let people call and say, hey, I want to sell this, I want to buy this, is to ensure there's always a buyer to match every seller and vice versa. If you want to sell a stock, you don't need to wait until the buyer wants your exact number of shares. A market maker will buy them right away. So I go in and I buy a stock. So what happens at that point? So investors have to carry out a transaction of buying or selling stocks through a broker. You have to have a licensed broker to sell stocks, which is simply an entity that is licensed to trade stocks on the exchange. A broker may actually be a person who will tell you what to buy and sell, or more commonly, this can be an online broker, say TD Ameritrade or Fidelity, that processes the entire transaction electronically. When you buy a stock, this is it's a simplified version of how it works. You tell your broker or you input electronically, which is the same thing, what stock you want to buy and how many shares you want. Your broker relays your order to the exchange and then a market maker sells your shares at the current market price. Then the shares are delivered right to your account. It happens so fast, it doesn't seem like that's the entire process, but it happens that quickly. <clears throat> so what is on? Why do I want to own stock? What does owning stock get me? Since you own now, since you own part of the company now, you are involved in some of its management decisions, and you're entitled to some of the company's profits. Shareholders get a vote to choose on the board of directors. You get something in the mail. I don't know if they do it electronically now. That says shareholders meeting will be held this day at this time. Make sure you're there if you want to uh, give your input to pick independent accountants, to approve any major change to the company like merging with the other company. What exactly you are entitled to demands on the amount of stock you own. So for instance, if you own Apple, take Apple has approximately 5.575 billion shares outstanding. So if you earned 100 shares of Apple, you would earn own 0.0000179% of the company. That seems like a tiny amount, but keep in mind that Apple makes 50 billion a year. So if they paid out all their earnings in one year, you'll get $896. Yes, sir. We had a question. 
We have a question from one of our listeners. Okay. Elder Alonzo, how many shares would you say a person can buy to see a profit? And normally, how long does it take to see a profit? That depends on the company. It depends on the company. You can make money with one share, but obviously you want to buy multiple shares because you want your profit to be as large as possible. And it depends on how quickly you're trying to get a profit. So you can buy as many shares as you can afford that are available. Companies aren't going to make all their shares available because they because share basically uh, shares of a company represent ownership and they want to make sure the ownership stays in who's ever hand. But part of the public shares, you can buy as much as you can afford. OK, so eight hundred and ninety six dollars from Apple. So if you decide that you no longer want to own your Apple shares, you can always sell your shares on one of the stock exchanges. So once again, type of stock, common stock is the most is the kind most investors buy. Common stock generally gives one vote at a shareholder meeting for every share owned. Okay. So I'm thinking about uh, a movie. Uh, if you think about different movies, I was trying to think about the family that prays together. All right. I know some of you seen that. And the mom uh, and the son, they had their battle going. And the mom was in control of the company because she owned the most shares. Right. And that's what happens in companies. Whoever controls the most shares, they control the votes. Right. So that's the way you can look at it. Common stock shareholders may also be entitled to receive distributions of the company provide that the company provides called dividend payments. For larger, more stable companies, a portion of corporate products, profits is usually paid back to the shareholders four times a year. You can actually look up a company and find out if they pay dividends and when they pay them out. Companies that are still growing usually pay no or very little dividends, but well-established companies like utilities generally pay higher dividends. Okay. So I think a lot of companies with COVID, they kind of suspended their dividends this year. And they might be changing that sometime in the future. So common, we have common stock and then we have preferred stock. Preferred stock generally doesn't have voting rights and you generally will not find them on trading on an exchange. However, preferred stock shares have the benefit of preference for divided payments. So if a company decides it's going to pay dividends, preferred stockholder may get a preferred stockholders may give a big bigger share and be paid before common stockholders. Preferred stockholders are also entitled to be paid first if a company goes bankrupt and all the assets are paid off. So, you know, you can kind of trade off your vote for a larger uh, piece of the company. All right. So when you buy a stock, the difference between stocks and bonds, when you buy a stock, you're buying a piece of ownership of a company. A bond is more like a loan or debt. So if you do a bond to the U.S. government, you're giving the government a loan. And they're saying on this day, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, we're going to uh, repay your loan with this amount of interest. So a bond is a promise that a company makes to pay. And bonds are usually with the government. A bond is a promise that a company makes to pay you back the amount you lent them plus interest. Hence, if you own a bond, you're only lending the company money. But if you own a stock, you own part of the company itself. So during World War II, the uh, United States was selling a lot of bonds. Invest in bonds. That was a way they raised money for the war effort at that particular time. Bonds have kind of fell out 
fell out of favor a little bit, but that option is still out there. So we talked about what we're going to talk about for stocks because we said we want to just go over basics today. Now we want to go into tips if you decide that you want to invest and keep your questions coming in if you have questions. Tip number one, never invest in anything you do not understand. There are a lot of companies out now, particularly in the last year where people just don't know what they do. And a lot of people are like the last year, I'm not going to mention anybody by name, uh, where the stock is taken off and people really don't have any idea what the company does or is vague what the company does. But because people see a stock price take off, they want to invest and be a part of it. But you really shouldn't invest in anything you don't understand. When you, I talked to somebody the other day and they said, I mentioned Southwest as somebody to look at as COVID clears up, as people start getting on planes again. And they were like, you know what? I want to invest in stock market because uh, I fly Southwest. And if I'm flying it all the time, I might as well take a part. And that's, I might as well take a part in the ownership of it. And that's a good way to look at it. But still make sure you do your research. If you participating in the company, like you like Nikes, buy some Nike shares, right? If you like Starbucks and you see it's a whole bunch of Starbucks on every corner, invest in Starbucks. Do your research. See, is it a good company to invest in and invest in that? That's a good way to start investing. Look at companies that you buy and that you use every single day. So when you invest in things you do not understand, you may end up losing all of your life savings. That's why it's always best to do your homework because knowledge is power and knowledge is the key to success in investing. Proverbs 24, 3 and 4 says, through wisdom, a house is built and by understanding it is established. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. So if you're considering investing in stocks, research the companies. Once again, you want to buy until you understand them. You may go for mutual funds or index funds or something like that. Tip number two, this is important. Before you begin investing, you should already have an emergency fund. Until you've built your emergency fund, you need not to attempt other kinds of investments such as stocks, mutual funds, bonds, gold. The purpose of an emergency fund is to meet unexpected and unpredictable needs which could arise. So what happens if you don't have an emergency fund and you're trying to invest in stocks and stocks is a long term investment. Stocks is not a short term investment. You're going to probably have to sell that stock right right away to meet your need. So that's why you should have an emergency fund to meet your need along with stocks. Excuse me. My throat is a little dry. And then, of course, as we talked about emergency fund, how much you should have in it. It depends on your financial circumstances, but most financial advisors suggest three to six months of living experiences, living expenses. I'm sorry. This means if you need two thousand a month to cover your family needs then you need six to twelve thousand saved up as emergency fund. OK, Proverbs six, six through eight says, go to the ant, you slugger. Consider it way its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in the summer and gathers its food at harvest. Because an emergency can strike at any time, <clears throat> your emergency fund should be invested in a safe liquid investment. So that means something you can get access to right away. 
from which you can easily withdraw funds when needed without penalty of loss or interest, such as a money market fund or maybe even a savings account or or even a savings account. Yeah. Tip number three, diversify your investments. That's important. We have to diversify our investments. We shouldn't just have all our investments in one stock because what happens if that stock takes a dive? There are a bunch of different industries that are out there and they go up and down at different times. So to balance it out, we need to have a diverse investment portfolio. So diversification, which is the practice of spreading your investments around different types of assets and security to minimize the risk of your portfolio over time. It's the key to long-term stability and success of your investments, okay? So nobody really knows what's gonna happen today or tomorrow in our lives or in the stock market, so it's best to diversify your holdings in order to protect, to protect your investments and ensure you can achieve your financial goals while still getting a good night's rest. Ecclesiastes 11, one through two says, Send your grain across the seas and in time, profits will flow back to you. But divide your investment among many places for you do not know what risk might lie ahead. That's in the Bible. Ecclesiastes 11, one through two. All right. So you may be surprised to earn, learn that King Solomon gave financial advice. But we have to realize Solomon was a businessman. He was deeply involved in international trade with merchants. And just like today, we involved in trade. So if you remember in the Bible, I think it was Queen Sheba came to him with a bunch of gifts, you know? So Solomon was a trader, so he had wisdom to trade. Ecclesiastes 6 says, plant your wisdom, plant your seed in the morning and keep busy all afternoon for you don't know if profit will come from one activity or another, or maybe both, all right? Tip number four. Never invest based on greed and avoid get-rich-quick schemes. One of the major pitfalls in learning to invest is the temptation to get our eyes off the main goal of Christian life, which is storing up our treasures in heaven. That's our main goal, to invest in our treasures in heaven. So you can easily fall into that tra trap of getting rich if you're not focused on that. Now, it's nothing wrong with not having the money. We're not saying that, but our focus should be what God wants to accomplish through us. So in Luke 12, 15, Jesus said, "Be watch out, be on your guard against, guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. God's wisdom on building wealth is gathering money little by little, which is the opposite of chasing fantasies. And that is why overnight get rich quick schemes should always be avoided. Remember that proper investments will take time to grow and yield an income. Any investment that guarantees a high return could be a scam and should raise a red flag on part of the investor. Proverbs 13 and 11, dishonest money dwindles away, but whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. So the question is, should you borrow money to invest? No. One of the things that hastens the process of going into poverty is borrowed money. The number one contributing factor to loss of wealth is borrowed money. While there is no commandment that prohibits borrowing, it is a sin to borrow with a covetous heart and a get-rich-quick motive. Tip number five. This is my favorite one right here. Never invest money that you cannot afford to lose. I'm going to say that 
one more time never invest money that you cannot afford to lose how much money should you invest because you can never exactly predict what the value of your investment will be in, in, in coming years the kind of money you should put in is the kind of money you won't be needing today tomorrow next year or even five to ten years from now the biggest problem that can arise in investment investing is when your personal situation forces you to suddenly sell your investment for cash when the market is down this is why you first going back to the emergency fund this is why you first need to build your emergency fund to cover for any unexpected expenses that may arise all right so those are our tips and that's what we're going to talk about on the stock market today we have any questions sir we have one more okay who wants to know can you live off the percent from a mutual fund it depends on how much the percentage is <laughs> absolutely <laughs> i mean that's plain and simple it depends on how much the percentage is and it depends on what your lifestyle is right so you know that's plain and simple right there yep i agree with that you know what there are a lot of people that want to get into investing in stocks and they look at stocks such as amazon disney have a high price tag but you know there are companies that are still growing and right. of course people want to be connected to that is that something that people need to build up to or should they save if they really want to invest in those companies should they initially go into those companies or should they build up to that with smaller buys i think they should build up to it in smaller buys there are a lot of smaller companies that you can make a lot of money on that you can invest in and have a lot of growth potential you have to do the research and look at those companies right yeah and then see what the long-term growth potential is it's a lot of information out there that you can look up uh, a lot of different resources i don't want to promote any particular resource but do your research you can go in and type on the internet cheap stocks to buy and then just don't buy them do your research and find out what's going on with those particular stocks if you can afford it buy more expensive you know companies because they they're expensive for a reason right so they're returning a lot of money they're getting a lot of return on investment roi for their company for their uh investors so definitely if you can afford the larger ones go ahead but if you can't there are a lot of and then and then now you can buy fractional uh shares with different companies so don't let your pocketbook keep you from investing and then the other day i got a message from paypal saying i can buy uh what is that bitcoin uh for as little as five dollars so there are a whole bunch of different ways to invest don't let your pocketbook stop you from investing of course acorn which i think pastor sean introduced me to where you can get a percentage taken out automatically every month uh and say hey i want 25 dollars taken out of my account every month and they automatically take it out and they build it up over time so there's a way to invest if you really want to invest just keep looking out there or you can reach me you know how to reach me on financial fridays at uh msifinancialliteracy.org which is my company my financial literacy company definitely reach out to me if you have any questions or you want me to research any stocks and if i give you information remember you still are responsible for doing the research on any companies i may or may not give you because it's your money it's not my money so our final tips go you had another question yeah i have one more question i think this might lead into a tip and something else you could say about this someone 
try to get one of our listeners into Bitcoin. That question was, isn't that part of gambling? And before you even answer that, <laughs> if you have a problem with spiritual things, I would advise you not to get involved in the stock market at all. Yep. Just about every company that's on the stock market is involved in some way, form or fashion, whether it's subsidiary or some other faction connected to it with something that is going to clash with your beliefs. Yep. I, I simply, I'll just leave it at that. So, you know, when you look at the stock market, look at it as a business. Yes, that's exactly what it is. Business. And then, go ahead and, and answer that question. Yeah, and then we can even go to the scripture where uh, well, God talks about the talent. And God gives us a talent. I can't think the scripture off the top of my head, but he gave one person two, one five and one ten. My numbers will be off. <coughs> then the scripture said, God came, God went away. He said the person with 10 invested their talent and doubled it. Then the person with five invested their talent and doubled it. But the person with two, they said, I know how you was. So I buried mine because I want to make sure that nothing happened to it. And he said, you wicked. What's wrong with you? I expect a return on my investment. God expects a return on his investment. He expects on a return on his investment what he placed in you the whole world system according to deuteronomy i'm sorry genesis 8 22 said there will always be seed time and harvest that's all investment is you sowing the seed and you expecting the harvest so you know we can spiritualize it if we want to but in reality the world system is operating so much in biblical principles and because we can only look at the bible and see heaven, we missing out on the opportunity to take advantage of those principles. Any other questions, Pastor Sean? No? Okay. So, no, none at this time, bro. None at this time. I'm going to give up. I'm, this is going to be the last thing I'm talking about. So, we know 5G is out here, you know, AI, artificial intelligence, video games, all these different things. I'm going to give you four semiconductor stocks for 2021 that have the potential to grow. And this information was released this week by Wells Fargo. Micron Technology with cutting edge. The reason that why they're predicted to grow, they have cutting edge dynamic random access memory or DRAM, which is used in video games, 5G phones and artificial intelligence. So that may be a stock you want to look at. NVIDIA. It's going to benefit from the growing appetite from computing power. So as companies, as they need more data in their uh, processing, more computing power in their processing, as they expand their data centers, uh, the NVIDIA is a company you might want to look at. Now, NVIDIA is expensive stock. It's four or $500 a stock. So, But you can afford that as opposed to Micron, which is the last when I last looked at it, it was probably in the 60s or 70s. So you have all different type of appetites that you can look at. And then advanced micro device, uh, devices is going to benefit from the need for more data center processors. If companies transfer from their legacy platforms to a more digital platform, AMD is going to be one of those companies that's going to be able to take advantage of that. And then the final one is Western Digital, digital WDC. It has a flash memory business that's currently undervalued. So it's, if it's undervalued pretty soon, 
is going to take off. People are going to want to invest in that. Those are four <laughs> for 2021, recommended by Wells Fargo that you may want to look at to add to your portfolio. And thank you guys for listening to Financial Friday on today, December 18, 2020. We appreciate you taking the time to listen to us today. Pastor Sean, did you have any other questions? I don't have any other questions, but uh, that was a response. The listener that asked us the question about uh, being the uh, Bitcoin connection. Um, they just wanted to know, was there a connection with Bitcoin being connected to Las Vegas in any way, shape or form? Well, and, and once again, right. I, you know, we don't have the research on that. Right. Well, we always encourage people to do your own research when you when you invest in the companies. You know, if you have stances when it comes to diversity and you want to make sure they have uh, diversity on their board and in their upper management, that might be a reason why you might not want to invest in a company. That's your own personal choice. Right. <laughs> but I mean, for the most part, for the yeah. most part, the stock market is, is I don't want to say wicked, but it is the wealth of the wicked. Uh, world system right yes exactly so bitcoin is simply digital currency and whether you believe it or not the world is going to go the way of digital currency money is going to go away sooner or later Absolutely. it might not happen in our lifetime but sooner or later you know it is going to take over so that's what's going on now you know uh people would people thought oil the oil market would last forever, but now it's going away. And the, the ability to gain wealth is the ability to tap into wealth, the ability to tap into markets before everybody else taps in. So if I was whoever it is, I would go to do your research Absolutely. about it, you know, and make Ask sure questions. you questions. Ask questions. Ask questions. Contact Elder Hinton with all Ask the questions, questions right. that you might have. Because listen to this. So digital, so uh Bitcoin is mixed up in Las Vegas. So it's cash money. Yeah. So it's credit cards. It's all type of currency. So you don't stop using regular money because it's in Las Vegas, right? So we need to think about the different things about that and do your research. A lot of telecommunications, uh, those stocks run through Las Vegas as well. So, you know, as I said before, you know, when you're planning the stock market, if you really go and do your research more than likely there's going to be something that might make you uncomfortable as a believer but within yourself i know believers that have invested or did invest five years ago in the cannabis market right before it blew up i hold no judgment against that that's a business decision for them they right. were comfortable with it in their walk with god exactly. if you're not comfortable with it that's no judgment on you either and the words say if anything is not faith is sin so you need to do your research. And if you yeah. got any doubt, you know, that's why you need to do your own research. You need to do your own research anyway, because it's your money and any effects on the stock market, whether you lose or gain money, is going to be on you, right? Yeah, absolutely. So you need to be doing your research. You should never just be on, you know, you be on Financial Fridays and I throw a name out and then you just go and buy something. No, you need to do your research. You know, and find out, is this the right company for me? Is this a company I believe in? Is this a company that I want to be a part of? Because you're an owner when you buy stock. Absolutely. 
yeah. anything that Elder Alonzo Hendon, any tips that he gives you, this is not something that we're telling you to do. We're just trying to point you in the direction of financial stability and things that should bless your life or could possibly bless your life. And as he says before, once it leaves our mouths, the accountability falls on you and falls on me and all of us to go ahead and do our own personal research to make sure that we're comfortable with the investment and it fits our lifestyle and our beliefs and then move forward in faith. As you said, my brother, because yes. it's that time in our season for us to take advantage of everything that's out here in the paradigm shift. Yes, sir. Amen. Absolutely. Go ahead and close us out with any other things you might have. That's all I have. Thank you for joining us today. Once again, you can reach me at Alonzo Hinton at misifinancialliteracy.org. We appreciate you joining us on this Friday. And thank you. And we'll see you next week.